When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, for more on this, Frank LaBeouf uh, joins us. We're in Frank in a moment. What a game, Craig. Oh. Well, there's, two si- there's always two sides to a story. And the first half was the Man United side that we've come to just obliterate. They were so bad. They were poor. They were second to every ball. They were uh, wasteful in possession. They looked vulnerable at the back and they were, they didn't pick up properly from set pieces, right? Oh, and on top of that, uh, Bruno Fernandes spent the first 45 minutes moaning and groaning and whining, right? Including uh, the first Villa goal, which Leon Bailey was stood on the goalkeeper, but the laws changed years ago. He's not in an offside position. Uh, So that was Man United, his first 45, which obviously Villa were 2-0 up. But you have to give... United so much credit for the change at halftime. And yes, Villa were complicit in, in at least a couple of the goals. When Diego Carlos plays a poor pass, when, when Longley tries to play out from the back and gives a corner away and they, and they lose a goal. But all, that, all those mistakes came from a, a United side that just seemed to be, to me, 10 or 15 yards further up the field. Where clearly Ten Hag said at halftime, listen, the keeper will take chances, the centre-halves will take chances, the midfielders will take chances, and they'll prod balls in there. And if we set off them, they'll continue to score goals and they'll beat us. But if we go and press them, and we ask them some questions, and we have some energy and pace, maybe they'll make some mistakes. And that's exactly what they did. Villa could not handle the United pressure in the second half. They forced them into poor mistakes. They paid the ultimate price for it. And that was so much better for Man United. But we've seen it before. We saw it for periods in the Chelsea game. So we're seeing little glimpses now and again. But that second 45 was the kind of intensity that the paying Man United public should be demanding to see more often. The, the other thing about United, particularly in, in, in the second half, and, and Lee Dixon in our commentary uh, touched, touched on it, was that they are now, or certainly in the second half, played to their strengths. For, for so much, and you see so many teams, regardless of, of position in the league, try to play this total football we're going to build out from the back, which never suited United. It, ne- it never suits who United are, it doesn't suit who their personnel are right now. Um, you start with Garnacho and Rashford in, in wide areas, yet the focus is on building on from the back, as opposed to using those two players for their pace, trying to stretch Aston Villa, ask questions of, of, of that back four. And once I thought in the second half, United started to get a little bit more direct, started to play to, to, to those strengths, you saw Aston Villa recoil and, and Manchester United making the most of the, of the players that they have available to them. And, and as a result, got the just rewards. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, Frank is here. Jules as well. Uh, Frank, what a turnaround in this game. What a second-half performance from United. 
Yes, fantastic. Fantastic. I was very worried, you know, 2-0 uh, at halftime. I said, wow, that's going to be a disaster and Craig's going to be over the moon. <laughs> I'm just teasing you, my man. But, but really, I, and I saw that second half, I said, well, that's not the same man. It's not the same team. It's definitely not the same spirit. And it's what we are looking for. I mean, I like, and I like the fact you mentioned the, 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 the way that uh, teams are playing now with the building up, you know, from the back take the time, you know, being precise. But I like, I like the football with the spirit, with the intensity, with the pace that they showed during the second half. Like, like Newcastle does and did last season. It's the, the way I see my football, the football that I love, that the football I'm ready to pay to, uh, to be entertained. And, uh, and that's what I saw the second half. Everybody involved, everybody spot on. Yes, it's demanding, but it's what people want to see. They don't want to see something slow. They want to see with something with spirit, with men capable of fighting against 11 other men who are maybe keeping the ball but not doing anything. And it's what happened. The Villains, they, they handled the first half easily because Manchester United didn't do anything. And when Manchester, as Craig mentioned, put, put everybody uh, 15 yards up, upper on the field, it changed everything. Because the aggressiveness came up with the, with, the, with the intensity that they put. It's what I like. It's the football I like. It's maybe tiring, but it's the way and the only way you can, you can cope with teams like Villa, but also Manchester City or Paris Saint-Germain some years ago. You have to press the, uh, the, the, the opponent. Uh, what a moment, Jules Erasmus Hoyland. Incredible, and you saw with the celebration how much we often say like, oh, the, the, the cliche sentence is how much it means to him or to the fans, etc. But, but I think this time it was, it was fair because, like Craig said, he had never scored yet in the Premier League. He had five, he had five goals in the Champions League, of course, but in the Premier League, he, there was just nothing there. And for him to score that goal at that time as well, so it's not like if they were 3-0 down and he scored a consolation goal. This one he knew at the time was potentially the winning one. To a new saw. I mean, his face became so as red as the shirt. Almost, I thought he was going to explode his face at some point. <laughs> but clearly, all that kind of anger and frustration <laughs> came out at the same time. And it's good. It's a, it's a really good finish. It's a number nine finish because he was aware. He was on his toes. The ball bounced off a defender, and then he was there. Maybe he's slightly lucky, but still, uh, the way he hits it. But it was it was just there, perfect. And we've said before that the service has been quite poor to him, especially recently against. Again, um, in the last game, he touched the ball, I think, once away at West Ham in the West Ham box for the whole hour that he played on the pitch, which is not good enough. And tonight, there were a couple of times where he was involved, bad touch, poor ball, things like that. But that, that finish and that goal, I think, will, will be a massive boost. We saw Onana, of course, jo join in those celebrations, running the length of the pitch. What did you say, Shaq? I wasn't doing that. That's a long way back. <laughs> let me, let me, it's, it's all fun <laughs> games running here to celebrate. <laughs> When you hit that half line, you realize, goodness me, I still have a long way to go here. Yep, yep. That's, that's tiring. I thought it was big, but I didn't think it was quite that big. <laughs> you know, it was a big goal, big goal for the young man, but, but not. But I think you can go to the other end of the field as well, particularly in the second half, and say, look, you know, Garnacho with his goals, Hoyland with his goal, Rashford looked better, and, and, and yeah, they pressed. But at halftime, when Ten Hag said, look, I. We can't set off this side. Right. We just cannot set off this side. We need to go and force mistakes. And when they do that, that's leaving Rafael Varane, who 
uh, has been out the side and Johnny Evans who's I don't know what's Johnny Evans 36, 37 but that's definitely leaving them potentially more exposed to one of the hardest guys to handle in the Premier League uh, certainly this season in Ollie Watkins and I thought although they didn't have to do it too many times I thought Varane and Evans bearing in mind you know Varane hasn't played a lot recently and Johnny Evans I've talked about his age I thought they did a really really good job on Ollie Watkins in the second half we barely saw Ollie Watkins in the second half and you know whenever I see Villa play he's a nightmare for defenders an absolute nightmare for defenders so I thought they did a good job as well but they can't afford to have the type of performance that they had in the first 45 going forward because they'll get beat and so he somehow has to take this and I don't know if he can or not because we saw a very good performance against Chelsea although Chelsea are not as good a side as Villa it was still a big game and we saw a United side that created 28 efforts at goal they worked hard they, they pressed they had energy and then after that game at Old Trafford it sort of went away again Ten Hag cannot afford it to go away again then because three or four games down the line, if it has, he's going to face the same questions again. Tell me this. It's an easy statement to make Dan, from what we saw. Dan, I'm sorry, Dan. Can, no, Dan, I'm, I'm sorry, sorry because I want to talk about on, Onana and what, what Craig explained. But the thing is, you have a little margin between a real joy and a disaster. At 2-1 uh, for, for Aston Villa, there is a big chance for Bailey. And Onana makes a great save. And... Uh, maybe made Manchester surviving. But don't forget that it's, it's about football in detail. What would have happened if uh, Aston Villa would have scored at that time? I think it would have killed Manchester United. So yes, we can be enthusiastic about what they, they did second half. But uh, as, as uh, Bailey uh, scored, it would have been a total different story, I think. To, to, to that point, and as much as Frank is saying that maybe that, that Villa goal would have, would have killed United, and, and possibly. When Garnacho's first goal was disallowed for, for the offside, my immediate reaction was well, that just popped a, bu a, a, a bubble here for, for, for United. For all their good football, to, to have a goal disallowed so sloppily, Garnacho getting ahead of Rashford on, on that play, I, I thought that would have let all the air out of the room. But it, it didn't deter United any at all. And, and, and I, I give them a lot of credit for, for continuing that energy, continuing that, that, that tempo. And, and while we've rightly levied a, a lot of criticism against Manchester United, when he thinks defensively, I was looking at them for was on that left-hand side where Bailey played on the right for Villa. A couple of weeks ago, Bailey absolutely tore Guardiola to, to shreds mm. because he was left one-on-one. -on -one. And in the first half, he was left one-on-one -on -one with Dalo, and I was like, here we go again. He is going to have a field day. But as the, as the game wore on, and particularly in the second half, you saw Evans start to drift over more. And not once in the second half do I remember Bailey getting one-on-one -on -one with, 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 with Dalo in, in the way that he was in the first. So I, I just felt that I, some of the little adjustments that United made um, were very effective. And... It, adjustments we, we, well, I certainly don't recall seeing at any point this season. Is it a valid statement to say this second half performance from Manchester United shows that the players are still very much behind Ten Hag? Well, it's about standards. And the standard of that second half, particularly the work rate and the closing down, was pretty much perfect. So I think it's hard to argue that, look, it is crystal clear that there's been some issues in this mm. camp, right? 
Well, tonight in this game at Old Trafford, which is very timely because the Ineos investment has been announced and, and, and signed off and the cameras kept panning to, to some people in the crowd that are, that are high up in the Ineos management and, and will be involved in the, the structuring of the football department at Man United and so it was very timely. But we've seen this before. So, you know, it's about consistency, it's about standards. Uh, this was a really good 45 minutes for them. Uh, after a really bad 45 minutes for them. But we've seen this movie, we've all seen this movie uh, several times, maybe more than several times this season. So until this happens with any sort of consistency, I don't, we, I don't think we can uh, quite turn this chapter. I, I think one of the good, well, one of the positives again is you're playing Aston Villa, a team near the top of the table who are playing with confidence, will play on the front foot. And certainly as a player, you don't need any motivations. How, how do you fare, and I, I know West Ham just went, but how do you fare against team, teams in that middle of the pack? Teams who are happier to sit in and allow you to have the ball. Teams who don't allow you just to, to use your, your wingers and that pace of play. And... and how does that start to frustrate Manchester United? And then all of a sudden it becomes a very different conversation. And again, I know we were just off losing to, to, to West Ham, but if Manchester United do similarly with a Crystal Palace or Wolves or somebody mid-table-ish, what's the, what's the reaction, what's the response then? Well, this is going to be it. On Saturday, they're away against Nottingham Forest, Jules. We'll learn a lot, won't we? Is this just a flash in the pan, as Craig said, against Chelsea? Or does this game really change their season around? Yeah, exactly. And let's not forget that in the reverse fixture against Forest Old Trafford, they were 2-0 down United and they came back yeah. to win 3-2. And when we're saying we've seen this before, we saw it at the end of August. That game was at the end of August. And we thought at the time, OK, now that game has kicked off, kicked on their season. And yet after that, it was, it was chaos, as we saw, and up and down, really, more down than up, by the way. So today felt a little bit the same. And Villa are a better team than Forest this season, there's no doubt. And they were very disappointed. Thing, I thought in, that, in their second half Villa but yeah you're right the next game against Forest, who obviously won today with Nuno his first win that would be a boost for them they would play very differently than defensively and offensively than, than Villa did today but they would be at home and United would have to go away and travel to, uh, to the city ground so again I think it's I agree with Frank in a way about the fact that there's also the McGinn chance at 2-2, by the way, that Evans saves with his foot, otherwise the ball goes in, and that's 3-2 for Villa then. So, but as always, in every, every game like this, there's always some pros and cons in a way. But United, hopefully for them, will have learned a lot from that second half and from the first half as well. And you would think that the boost from Holland, the boost for Garnacho, even collectively, uh, what we saw in the second half will kind of inspire them to go to, to, to Forest and get something and then get on that run. They need a run. We've said it many times on the show. They need a, a really positive run, like four or five games in a row without losing again, for really to really look like they are on the right path. Well, it just, uh, it just seems to me at the moment, Ten Hag is, is one of those managers when it's, it's, it's all going against them, there's a result pops up. You know, just to sort of... Solskjaer had that as well, didn't yeah, he, during his tenure. Yeah. Yeah. We just thought, right, that's he, it. He did have that. Unfortunately, he didn't have any CV behind him to, to back it up any more than that. But, but you know, I think we're at that stage with Ten Hag, whereas if they go to Forest to have just beaten Newcastle, so they've got a little bit of confidence, it'll be at the city ground. And they feel a bit wrong from the start of the season because they felt the referee was horrendous that day at Old Trafford. They had uh, a man sent off uh, harshly. Uh, 
it feels like we'll be back to square one again where the headlines will be, well, yes. any of us are going to make the changes, Ten Hag's not the man. And it's hard to, I think it's hard to see United putting three or four uh, really good results together because it, it, it is so inconsistent. But he is, you know, with the draw old, with the draw at Anfield, he dug out, uh, you know, something that was tangible because everybody was thinking it was going to be five or six and he was going to get absolutely plastered. He didn't. Lose at West Ham uh, and on a very poor result. All of a sudden, they're playing Villa. They're 2-0 down, right? It's going to be four or five. He's going to be... Tomorrow, we're going to be reading. He's, he's out, he's yeah. sacked, and he's side-turned it around. And he's kind of... There's only so long you can live on the edge. So it's, it's, it kind of feels like that for him at the moment. Uh, and so we'll see where they go from here. But we can only take it on this one game. And from what I saw in the second half and what we all saw, if he can sort of can that and take it forward with him, he's got half a chance. But if he can't, he'll end up out the door. What does this mean for Villa? It's been a really poor few days. You know, Sheffield United was a bad one for them. Uh, late Zaniolo equaliser off the bench. There was a couple of horrendous decisions that went didn't go their way in terms of the officiating. But they didn't kill Sheffield United off. I think... I might be wrong, but I think he'll be stripping them down when I am in the dressing room because they were so sloppy. And, and look, they didn't handle the pressure. Mm. And if you're going to be up there, uh, if Arsenal are going to win the league, if Liverpool are going to win the league, and if City are going to continue to do it, they handle this type of pressure that teams try and put on them in a better manner. Villa were asked a question, a big question in the second half, and they could not handle mm. the pressure that United put on them and, and they got sloppy and I think what it tells you is everything we've known that they're up there it's a great story but if they get in the top four this year that will be a marvellous season for them but this manager this Spanish manager he's going to be a very unhappy chappy tonight yeah it is it is concern you could highlight every United goal and the errors from Villa that led to them of course coming back and getting that victory Jules and it's got to be a concern going forward the word pressure being associated with Aston Villa and them not being able to handle it yeah, although they had never lost any point. They never dropped points until yeah. tonight from a winning position this season in the Premier League. But away from home, they've been average most of the time. They were lucky to win a Spurs. They were lucky for the draw at Bournemouth. But more often than not, they haven't been good at home. Certainly not away from home. Certainly not as good as they've been at home, obviously, apart from the Sheffield United game. So I, I thought that second half was, was horrendous from them. I thought they lost control. They lost their discipline, most importantly. And... The high line and the, the offside trap, of course, we've talked about it. We've praised them a lot for him. The first half he worked, although there was a couple of times where they were just about lucky. But they, I think they caught United six times offside in the first half, which is more than any, any other team in, in the whole league this season. But the second half you saw, and, and OK, there's no camera, there's no Pau Torres. And for all the love I've got for Longley just because he's French, it's not the same as Pau <laughs> Torres. And to, and to be fair, you know, Dan Donker or or Ramsey, depending on who you think really replaced Camara, because McGinn had to change position. It's not the same without Camara and that Douglas-Swiss-Camara partnership in, 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 in centre midfield. But still, I thought the second half was really poor and really disappointing. And for a team, like we said, think... who, 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 who wants to play for, for the league, really, sorry, Frank, just to finish, this is not good enough, simply. Frank? Well, I think there is one, I think there is one player who's going to be very upset about himself and his performance is Longley. I mean, everybody saw the second half when he tried to uh, 
take the player on uh, and uh, concede a, a corner. And uh, that corner uh, gave the, the, the second goal, the third goal, sorry. But uh, on the, uh, I think I was on the second goal or the first goal, I try to remember, when he, he tries to tackle and get the ball uh, uh, in corner, he misses the ball. And so I think he, he can be very upset by himself and his, uh, his performance the second half. I saw him a little bit struggling and um, that's not a performance that you have after playing for Barcelona for years, playing for the national team. I think you can do better than that. And I, I'm, I'm with the guys, you know, defensively, what Aston Villa showed the second half was absolutely horrendous. Um, they were all over the place. They didn't didn't know how to handle the pressure of the, the Red Devils and uh, it's why they lost that, that, that game. Um, and uh, that's, that's quite, it's going to hurt them. It's going to hurt them and the Emery would have to, to work very hard with them to, uh, to make sure they, they, they go back to where they were. Uh, the Frank contingent will be back on Extra Time. As always, you can check out Extra Time over on our YouTube channel. There's Craig in his oh. festive face. <laughs> Those, oh my those were the God. days. You were an air chat. You left me alone with it. Uh, yep. Yes. I, 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 got the, uh, I got the notice. Did you know less than 10% of Americans own an e-bike? Here's why that should change. Studies show e-bike owners actually end up exercising more, plus getting outside more. If you're looking for a balanced lifestyle and everyday adventures, you need to check out Electric e-bikes. They are the number one selling e-bike brand in America. Their bikes are typically foldable, pre-assembled, and have serious range up to 150 miles on some models. Check them out today at electricebikes.com and add some more adventure to your week. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-Bikes.com. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't a search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work, use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash FC. Just go to Indeed.com slash FC right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on the podcast. Indeed.com slash FC. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Oh, Frank and Jules are with us. Jules, let's start with you. Darwin Nunez, you said he was going to score. Well done. <laughs> Since you were mean to him the other day, and you were really mean... I wasn't was mean no to doubt. him. Never in doubt. Never in doubt. I think that's harsh. <laughs> you took the mean big time. Uh, Jules in his fancy podcast always doubt. banging on about Darwin Nunez. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, it wasn't a surprise he played okay. off the left-hand side, was it? But a great finish, though, wasn't it? Yeah, no, it was an excellent finish. And I think we, we discussed this. It's where we might see him play a little bit more often from the wider positions. Uh, We'll see if he goes to the right at all when Salah leaves. But, you know, Gakpo to play as the false nine, maybe Diego Jota to take up that role as well wouldn't be a big surprise. And I think that's where, certainly for the foreseeable future, uh, Darwin Nunes uh, might find himself. And actually it might do him a lot of good. Just coming from that wider area like he did, and whether it's crosses into the back post or coming in, cutting in and, and getting strikes on that right foot. 
it was an excellent finish. So maybe if he's not playing through the middle as an out-and-out striker, I'll also just take a little bit of pressure off him. Not really much else to say about this game, is it, Shane? No, it's not. Uh, other than it took Liverpool far too long. I know Craig and I disagree that we wanted to slow goals. So he wasn't it, pushed? It took them far too long just to kill this off. But other than that, um, yeah, you're right. Not a lot to say I've never understand what the ex exact law is there because... You know, I'm not denying Salah was in the, the line of the goalkeeper. I, I'll be honest, I, don't, I think if Salah wasn't there, I don't think the keeper would have got it anyway. Nor do I. But that's, that's neither here nor there. But the fact is he was pushed into that position by a Burnley player. But, you know, I can only imagine had Liverpool dropped points. I mean, I think there's some history there with Paul Tierney, the referee. Right. Uh, I don't think there's anything malicious. Absolutely not. But it just so happens every time he's on one of their games between him and the VAR, it's always quite contentious and I think if they hadn't killed that game off and Burnley had came back into it, he would have self-combobulated Jurgen Klopp. Uh, but, but it didn't happen. Here's, here's a question. So if that ball doesn't go in, do you give that as a foul? Do you give that push as a foul? If it's not a foul, then I'm not sure how... You don't disallow the goal by... by. So, but what, is he but what are you supposed to do? Oh, well, all, I'm, so, to uh, well, all, I'm, all I'm asking well, is, do you give him. that as a foul? It's neither, well, I, I don't know, but you can't deny he was pushed into the offside position. Right, it was here, neither here nor there. Uh, Jules, what did you make of the disallowed goals? After the first one, the, the Darwin foul was really, really harsh. And just to come back on Klopp, you see him after, the, after that first goal was disallowed and he's talking to Portier and he's talking to the ref and saying, always with you, always. It's always, it's always <laughs> like that. It's always a goal disallowed. It's, it's always something. And before the game here in the UK on the, on the channel that was showing the game, he was asking, he said, listen, I'm not happy because there's a couple of times maybe where the things have gone our way, but most of the time it's gone against us and, and that has to stop. And, the, the, and that game tonight, okay, in the end it doesn't cost them, but there's still two goals disallowed where there's a bit of controversy, certainly on the first one. The second one, I agree with both Shaka and I think both Shaka and Craig are right. Yeah, he got pushed, but he also, I think, was in the way you know, of, the, of, of Trafford. So you could see why that one was disallowed. But it was funny that Klopp, after that first one, kept saying to Tierney, always with you. It's always like that, always like that. Anything else? No? no. Okay. Uh, obviously, Burnley in trouble. Let's just remind you how things look uh, at the bottom of the table. Uh, those teams that come up have been struggling all season, uh, and it is Burnley now sitting 19th, Sheffield United uh, sit at the bottom, Luton Town, meanwhile, 18th, but a big, big victory for Nottingham Forest. That was the early kickoff today, wasn't it? Away against a Newcastle side who've now lost five of their last six. And it was Chris Wood, of course, a former Newcastle player who would come back and kind of bite them in the bum, Craig. Yeah, I mean, he had a, he, he paid some a reasonable amount of money for him at, at Newcastle, but it didn't quite work. In fact, it's not worked. Uh, it's not worked at Nottingham Forest over the longer term. He's been out the side, but you know, Nuno Espirito Santo was really positive in his team selection. Wood got a hat trick, but Hudson Odoi played. Alanga played in the right. Uh, Gibbs White, Gibbs White played in behind, and so. I think maybe the approach from Forrest under the new manager is going to be a little bit more front foot and a little bit more positive. Yeah, it was most of the game was on the counter-attack, but you're away from home. And this was, I would say, even in Newcastle's current predicament, uh, bearing in mind it was at St James's Park, this, you could argue, was, you know, was a, this was the surprise result of the day. I mean, I suppose Luton going to Sheffield United was huge, but they're two relegation sides. Nottingham Forrest going up there, manager second game in charge, at St James's Park, this is a big shock and a big result for Forrest. 
And you can only make so many excuses, can't you? Shane? Yeah, uh, and, and, and it's the truth. Listen, uh, while that, that truth still holds that Newcastle United are simply exhausted, you, you only have to look at, at the first goal that, that came just before the break, when Elanga breaks. If you look at Bruno Guimaraes and, and Lewis Miley, they, they have no legs to, to even attempt to keep pace with Nottingham Forest. So while, yes, Newcastle are tired, they don't have, they don't have the legs, um, for all the reasons that we've been discussing for, for many a week, at some point that style has to, your approach has to adjust. It has to take that in, into some kind of account. If your midfield is as exhausted as they are, you cannot keep pressing as high up the park as, as you do. You cannot um, play this high defensive line knowing that the midfield can't close spaces down in the midfield and more times than not, it's just going to be a free clip in behind, in behind the back four to, to uh, allow players to, to, to run in behind. So th those two things, uh, again, you, you have to make those adjustments. And while we, we sat here and kind of praised Pochettino for taking that similar aggressive style, with, even though he had injuries, it's different for Newcastle United. It's different for Eddie Howe. He's been there a whole lot longer. And you can make those adjustments without really compromising who you are, you're standing with the, with the team. I just feel, given all their issues, there has been no attempt to adjust accordingly. This story will change quickly for him. Dan. Very much so. Yeah. It'll change, it'll change, it'll change, sorry, Frank, it'll change very, very quickly for him because the sympathy and the empathy is starting to fade. And nobody's denying that, for the most part, the job he has done there is a really good one. But for every, we're in the modern game now, it's here and now. And their performances in his in-game management is starting to be questioned. Right. And tactics. And how he approaches it. And he's going to have to turn this around because he's got an ownership that, you know, is going to be very demanding. And this is, I think this is worrying for him. And three or four, a month ago, I prob probably wasn't on that page. But I think in this league, and I think that's why you and I, Emery, when we discuss Villa, is going to be at his players, because the, the, the narrative turns very quickly. Not that Unai Emery is under pressure, he's not. But they could quickly drop out of, you know, been afterthought for the top four, with Tottenham and all the rest of them. And I think from Newcastle's perspective, if he doesn't stop this ship, which currently is sinking a little bit, then there's going to be a lot of questions. A lot of questions about Eddie Howe going forward. Do you think Steve will admit they've regressed yet? No, of course not. Uh, go on, Frank. <laughs> Yeah, I, I just want to say that, uh, yeah, everybody thought, you know, that it's bad luck for Newcastle and uh, everybody has sympathy for ADO and, uh, and, and, the, and the Newcastle players and the list of uh, injuries that they have there. Yeah, okay, that's a fact. But maybe you can wonder why they're so much injured, why they, are, they have a list of uh, so many players not being able to play. You know, I remember at my time, you know, where Arsenal had that, that, that time of players also injured. I don't know if do you remember, guys. The big medical staff was, uh, was targeting and, and, uh, and maybe it's the time to find why so many players are getting injured. Uh, it's not uh, because of the World Cup was a year ago. Is it still that where I was, uh, I was, I was said? No, uh, maybe the physical staff or maybe the medical staff don't do their job. Don't don't doesn't sorry do the uh, do their job doesn't do the, uh, their job and uh, and they have to maybe try to find where the thing has gone wrong in that matter maybe they prepare too much 
uh, they, they work too much in the pre uh, uh, in the preseason preseason last summer. Maybe when they have players who are getting a little bit injured, the medical staff doesn't do the job. But there might be a reason why you have that list of players not being able to play. But but whatever way you bought this, that this was still a strong Newcastle side today. Right. And recent weeks he's had a weak bench. This was not. It's not his strongest bench, but it wasn't a weak bench today. He had, he had experienced players on there. Callum Wilson was on the bench. You know, Livermento was on the bench. There was there was there was others experienced players uh, on the bench. It's not like he was playing his old three goalkeeper on the bench trick again, which he's done before, uh, looking for a little bit of sympathy. So he had a strong eleven, and he had a relatively strong bench. So that argument is going to start to falter because people will turn around and say, well, hold on a minute, you know, you've got European football, but there's a lot of other teams that are tired. Yeah. I, I think to, to that point, yeah, I think playing European football for the first time in, in what, nearly 20 years, it's a bit of a learning curve and, and that's what you're experiencing. But, and, and I think in, in today's game against Nottingham Forest, I believe Eddie Howe's thinking is some of these players need a rest. You can start with Livermore on the bench. But then you, you try to make changes. But at, at this point, the, the game is gone. I, I, again, for me, it's as the, these next few weeks and Newcastle have a horrid run of games to come. But they are so key to, to not just Newcastle season, but to, but to Eddie Howe. I, I just feel that you, you've got to adjust given your, your personnel, whether everybody's fit. Whether everybody's tired, whether they have the pace to match up against, and I, I just don't think there's been any kind of adjustment. Or, albeit you come up against Nottingham Forest thinking, yeah, today of all days is, is the day I can, I can rest and rotate players. But no, you, you, you don't adjust accordingly. Look what happens. How bad a PSG can't even beat Newcastle, eh, <laughs> Jules? Anyway, <laughs> just a reminder, ESPN I was FC. Say <laughs> yeah, go on. No, just quickly, because like I mentioned, it, they play Liverpool, City and Aston Villa next in the Premier League and Sunderland away in the FA Cup in, in one of the biggest derbies in England, of course. Oh, yeah. So things could get worse before they even get better for Eddie Howe in Newcastle. Uh, just a reminder, plenty of content over on our YouTube channel. Be sure to go over to ESPN FC and subscribe. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Pardon the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Not long now until the transfer window opens for January. And, of course, to keep up to date with all the latest news, go over to Transfer Talk on the website. On that subject, Jules was given the task of giving the five, top five transfer needs to the big clubs across Europe. Go for it, Jules. So, in number five, Giovanni Reina, he needs to move now. He's hardly played with 
Dortmund, no start in the Bundesliga. He played only 229 minutes. He's 21 years old. There are big things coming up for him and the national team, of course. But he just needs to play. Wherever that is, it could maybe drop the bit of a level of the team. It doesn't have to be for a top, top European club, but he needs game time. He needs that rhythm. He needs that. It's, it's too much of a race right now. So that's number five. Number four, I mean, we mentioned Chelsea and a, and a striker before, even with Nkunku coming back from injury and scoring, by the way, the other day against Wolves. They still need a proper number nine, an in and out striker, not Broja, not Nico Jackson, not even Nkunku on his own up front. They need to go and get somebody. We've said it all through the first half of the season. So this is one, this is one of the biggest needs, if not the only one really they need to address in this January. As a number three, I mean, we said that Real Madrid also needed a, a centre-back before. Remember the Thiago Silva, Steven Nicola idea? Of course, <laughs> well, we know that with Alaba out for the whole season, Militao as well, they need to go and get somebody else. There's talks about Rafa Marin, who's on loan, obviously, Alaves from the club. Rafael Varane even to come back. Maybe Gonzalo Ignacio at Sporting, who's a very promising but expensive young centre-back from Portugal. So they need to find somebody for sure to come and strengthen that defence. In number two, Sergio Radcliffe is arriving at Manchester United. He needs to pick the right sporting director. They need the right guy for them to take them again forward, back towards the summit, whether that's Paul Mitchell, Paolo Maldini, Dan Ashwood, you, whatever. But they need the right guy, no more Fletcher or Myrtle or people like that. And then finally, obviously, and the most important, PSG need uh, Kylian Mbappe uh, to extend his deal. Of course, uh, of course they do. He becomes uh, a free agent on January the 1st. He will be allowed to sign anywhere he wants. Here we really, go there's only again. one place for you, Kylian. One place for you, my friend. He's staying at home in Paris. Oh, I, was kind of, I, I, I was going so well. <laughs> I was kind of jogging along with that until he got to number one. I thought Real Madrid, Real Madrid after. And he didn't even think. <laughs> I, and he didn't even think Arsenal need to to buy a left back. Oh, well, there you go. There you go. There you are. <laughs> or, or, or a striker. Yes, yeah, that's true. Or a striker. Uh, would you like to add anything to no, that, Shank? No. Yeah. That's a stupid I'm, question. I'm a no but he liked to add it. Oh, I don't know. I don't even mind. A, I just thought after my latest debacle, leave <laughs> no Giroud. Yes. Oh, was I mean, it? I heard you a little way. Yeah, it's a little faux pas. Yes. You dropped uh, the ball. Frank, would you like to add anything? Uh, Newcastle needs to buy 10 other players. Okay, <laughs> all right. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> well, um, meanwhile, of course, last week uh, all the headlines were about the, the Super League decision uh, in court. We've had a little bit of time now for things to settle. Very different, uh, depending which country you're in, is that how people reacted. Super League, uh, okay. Uh, the front page of our Super League, uh, yes. Obviously. Oh, we don't have time to reflect. Say again? No, no we, we haven't had time to reflect. Look, look, he's going to tennis camp. He wants to talk about yeah, this. Yeah, but let, listen, let, let me tell you. Right, let, let, me tell, let me tell you what's happened here. Nobody's had time to reflect. It was Christmas and nobody cares. Right, okay. That's what happened. It was Christmas. Yeah. People are spending time right. at home with family and yes. friends and nobody gives look. a jot, an absolute smidge about the Super League. I tried to tell him, I tell you. Uh, Jules, what has changed or what have we learned over the last few days where everyone's been thinking about, oh, what does this mean? <laughs> exactly. Brilliant. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. 
Frozen, frozen, we got the smooth before he unfreezes. Uh, just a yeah, reminder, yeah. the latest edition of the Garbage Rules <laughs> podcast <laughs> is available to listen to. It's a special one where they reflect uh, good thinking, what happened Batman. in 2020. Oh, no, they made an effort. Like, oh, they didn't make an effort for that long. Uh, be sure to check it out. Everton take on Manchester City. This is an intriguing game tomorrow, isn't it, at Goodison? Given the form that both sides are in going into this clash, Manchester City go into the clash in Merseyside. I imagine they are uh, still favourites, uh, considering the, uh, the fact they're defending champions. They, of course, had this break, didn't they, because of the Club World Cup. But, yeah, they are odds-on favourites uh, to get the win. This is going to be a really interesting game, isn't it? Absolutely, and I've been really impressed by Everton recently. Even though they lost at Tottenham, they gave Tottenham as much as as many problems as I've seen a lot of teams. We're very unlucky not to get something, if not even win the game. So they're playing well. Yeah, they had this ten-point uh, deduction. If they didn't have that, they, they have, but they would have been in the top half of the league. But it's not just that; it's the shape, it's the way they're playing, and actually, they're playing some nice football. Now, they're not going to outplay Man City, but I'd imagine with, with the kind of confident mood they're in, Deitch is like, listen, just don't let them come to Goodison Park and think they're going to swan around and win this game. I want tackles, I want to get in their face, I want uh, Dwight McNeil to be slinging crosses into the box and Jack Harrison for, for Calvert-Lewin or whoever's playing, and I want to cause this City team's problems. And this City side, we know at the moment are vulnerable. Mm -hmm. In the Premier League, they are vulnerable at the back. And this, you're absolutely right. You know, a couple of months ago, you'd have went, ah, right, I think I'll give this one a miss because it's going to be one-way traffic. I mean, it could be, but I just don't think so. Not the way... What's your prediction? 5-0, City. Right, (laughs) I'm actually... No, no. You know, Uh, I don't... Can City come back and just pick up the baton and go? I'm going to go for Everton to get... At least a draw out of this game. Yeah, you're going for a draw. I really feel that, you know, I know they went away and won this Club World Cup, but they've looked a little lax and a little bit sloppy, Man City. And if this game had been the Etihad, different view on it. But I just think at the moment, the way Everton are playing, the situation City are in, Liverpool continue to win, Arsenal are up there, there's a lot of pressure on them this year. They're already in what, I think, are they fourth or fifth at the moment, whatever they are. It's a big game for them on their return. Mm-hmm. A big game, and it's not an easy place to go at this moment in time. What's your prediction, Shane? I, I think City get the win, but just. I, I think it'll be narrow, but I, I, I feel City come back, start rediscovering their form. This is kind of time of year where, where they, they come good. And I just feel, I feel they get something off of this. Jules is back. Jules, your prediction? It's just, I mean, quickly, I, I just don't know, travelling to Saudi Arabia to win that Club World Cup, um, clearly, it's a lot of positive. You win, it's another trophy. Whether you think it's a big one or not, it doesn't matter so much. You win something, is great. It also takes a toll physically, the travelling, the two games that they played over there, etc., etc. I just don't know which one, which one is better, is more than the other, really. So I would, I, I still think that they get more out of that club worker positively than negatively, and I think they they will still have enough to be Everton, even if, like Shaka said, it's a narrow, it's a narrow victory. I think they will still have enough. The birds from that win, I think, would be more important than maybe the fatigue that they got by going over there, playing, and then come back and play straight to Everton. Mr. LeBeouf? Uh, you know, we're talking about consistency in football, and what we can expect from the Toffees is 100%. That we exactly know what they're going to do and how they're going to fight and how they're going to play. 
Now we don't know about Manchester City. They're coming back from the uh, their, 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 their World Cup, Club World Cup, you know, uh, the jet lag, the, the way they're going to handle the, the, the coming back into the Premier League. I don't know that. And the way they play, we don't know that. So if they play at the top, yeah, they're going to win. But I want to I wanna see, well, I think I'm going to see a draw because Everton's oh. going to fight big time, hard time. And I see a draw because I don't think City is on still on the way back to their best. And I know you're our Reds. So, what a match. Uh, I've got to end. I've got to end. You're our Reds. What a team. Broken record. Uh, meanwhile, as intriguing as that Tiger at Park is, it's a difficult sell, this clash at, um, at Stamford Bridge. Chelsea taking on Palace. London Derby. Come on, there's your selling point. What? You... I think there's one. Yeah, sell it. I'm not buying no, no, You can Don't bother selling it because I'm not buying it. Right. But there's two managers here <laughs> that are... Uh, I'm not going to say well could you say close well Roy Hodgson's in trouble Roy Hodgson. he's in hot water yeah Roy Hodgson is pretty close yeah I would imagine uh, and they've not been in great form yeah they got a they nicked a point at at, uh, at the uh, Etihad exceptionally against the running play for sure uh, but can how many how many bad performances can Pochettino oversee continue to oversee now Particularly with the strength of the, the opposition, I, I, I don't know how. When we talk about Ten Hag and, these are, and Eddie Howe maybe under a bit of pressure and, and all this sort of scenario, how long can Pochettino hide behind the recruitment and the ownership and everything behind the club until somebody says, "Well, give us something tangible about what we're seeing on the field," particularly playing against the likes of Wolves and. You know, we saw them at Newcastle recently get pummeled. And, and you know, we, we know Newcastle are certainly a long way from the best mm. and have been for, for quite some weeks. So, Crystal Palace... What do you think is going to happen? What's your prediction for this? <sighs> well, Palace are going to set in, <laughs> for sure. 100%. Yeah. I, I really don't know. I mean, I'll go for a narrow Chelsea win. I, 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 but, you know... They love it, don't they, Jules? They're the great cliche. What a great advert this is for the Premier League. This one, you expect not so much. Yeah, not so much. I agree with Craig analysis, really. This Chelsea team that is, has, a, has a lot of issues, really, and we, we don't have the time to go through them again. We'll probably do that tomorrow on the show, but they have issues even with Kunku coming back, and we saw what he could bring against Ward for that short amount of time. Sterling is suspended, Palmer is suspended for the game tomorrow. So, Pochettino, again, we'll have to rethink and, and, and have an, an, a new front line, if you want, whether it's a four or three, it doesn't matter so much. But you'll have to rethink all of that. It's tough for them. And for Palace, I, I don't even know why Roy Hodgson came back in the first place last season. I'm not a fan, as you know. I think they've struggled. I think they've been, they've been pretty disappointing so far this season. So, I'll go with, I'll go with a Craig, a narrow Chelsea win, but it's not going to be pretty. Oh dear, this feels a bit negative. It's really a lack of foresight, isn't it, Crystal Palace? You know, with all respect to Roy Hodgson... Oh, he kept them up, didn't he? Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying, but it's a lack of foresight. He comes back and he keeps them up after a disappointing Patrick Vieira side that couldn't buy a goal. They score all these goals, and they did. All of a sudden, they looked exciting, and they went to Crystal Palace. Oh, this is the way forward again. I mean, it just, honestly, you talk about no vision for the future. That's Crystal Palace. Uh, let's go to former Chelsea man, Frank. Uh, you can be quick if you like, Frank. Or frozen? Oh yes, uh, one nil. Yeah, and Kunku goal. 
Thank you there very much. Bye-bye. Think about the other game. Perfect. <laughs> Au revoir. <laughs> 2-0 Chelsea. Perfect. Thank you very much. Uh, just a reminder, we'll be looking back at that game on the next edition of the show. And uh, well, I think we'll be there amongst the mix, but I imagine we'll be leaving. In the background. <laughs> with Everton, as you always are, Everton <laughs> against Manchester City. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Of course, first weekend of uh, the new year means the FA Cup third round. And we'll be bringing you all the action on ESPN Plus every single game. 32 matches will be live for you. Starts on the fourth right across the eighth as it ends with Wigan against Manchester United. La Liga returns as well for the new year. Some big games to start off. What are we, 2024? Real Madrid taking on Mallorca. There is talk that Vinicius Jr. will be back and available for that game. Meanwhile, for Barcelona, they'll be looking to start the year better than they finished in their away against Las Palmas. Meanwhile, Shaka's top 10 stories of 2023. This is our feature for the 2023 special Christmas Day show. Uh, if you want to relive it, that is available on ESPN Plus now. Is it worth reliving? Yes, yeah, Shaq, sell it. All right, it's worth what reliving. <laughs> don't don't let start sounding like him. Uh, be sure to check that out. It's a wonderful review show. Uh, that is it. That did you really just say with a, with, not, with a Spanish promo, where are we, 2024? Yeah, I'm just trying to think. What did you think we were? I don't know. What comes after 23? <laughs> oh, good, 2024. <laughs> Beautiful, there we are. Thank you very much. Yeah, apart from that, the show was seamless. Uh, thank you very much. Jules and Frank will be back for Extra Time, which is next. Welcome in then to the latest edition of Extra Time. Come on, Jules, look at the camera. Uh, Frank is with us, Jules as well, Craig, <laughs> Craig and Shaka as well. Uh, Craig, did you get the call to come in Sorry. at half-time only to find out about the comeback at full-time? <laughs> Frank was piling in as well that you enjoy Manchester United losing. Yeah, I believe Frank. Yeah. You've got a reputation, Craig. What? That you only come and win Manchester United or That you hate them. Or lose. Yeah. I give Man United plenty of praise when right. they play well. Right. And plenty of stick when they don't. And they are no different to any other team. Which was evident today. No different. That's not what Frank said. Yeah, Frank. Frank's stirring it all up. Yeah. Frank, was that, is that a new Christmas sweater you're wearing? 
No, he's had that on before. No, no, no. I had it, uh, and uh, yeah, I enjoy it. It's kind of a Christmas one, uh, you know. But about about Craig, I I <laughs> I texted uh, Pete about the game when they are at halftime. He said, uh, "Can I can I be sure that Craig's going to be on the on the show? I want to see that because myself we're losing, so I think he's going to be he's going to be furious against uh, uh, Manchester United." But I loved. I really appreciated what he said about Manchester United. Oh. Where, about the second half. So he's a fair guy. Oh. He's oh, a well good done guy. for doing Craig your job, Crane. Crane. Congratulations. Hey. Brilliant. Well done. Uh, he's a fair guy. Uh, uh, very fair guy. They are. Beautiful. <laughs> where's, your, where's your Christmas roll neck, polo neck thing, Jules? Sorry? No, it doesn't matter. Well, uh, so the old pale empty insignificance <laughs> after the way I dressed. What, what the guests? <laughs> after the way I dressed on Christmas Eve. Oh my God. The, there's nobody. To all, do any of you remember a game when all hope was lost and there was no chance that your team suddenly clawed back from? Do you remember a game where it was all done and dusted and then. Um, I can't. No, I suppose you'd be on like the opposite end. Yeah. Where are you going to bring yeah, that no. Just. Yeah. Oh, yep. uh, go on, Frank. Uh, first season at uh, Chelsea, maybe Craig remembers, oh. uh, against Liverpool on the FA Cup. I think it was a quarter-final or maybe uh, last 16th. And uh, we were losing 2-0 at home uh, at halftime. And uh, uh, Rigulic made a change and put uh, Marcus in. And uh, the guy changed the game and we, we won 4-2. Great atmosphere, crazy English weather with the rain and everything, the mud. Uh, that, that was a good christening for me of uh, FA Cup uh, uh, tie. I remember one. Wait, no, Craig's the, oh, is Craig's involved still in this. Chelsea Tottenham. So but were you involved in this game? Game, no. No. Where were you? No, no idea. I don't, know, I don't know what year it was. Right. Chelsea Tottenham. <laughs> Chelsea Tottenham, 94. 2 0 down after 20 minutes, Stamford Bridge. Aussie Adelis manager at Tottenham, Glenn Hoddle, Chelsea. Steve Sedgley and Jason, the boy from Ipswich, can't remember his name. Anyway, 2 0 down, gets it back to 2 2. Is it Lee? Is it, that was no, it? no, no, no. Keep, go back to Steve. Oh, never mind. What's his name? Anyway, we get it back to 2 2, I believe. Then they go 3 2 up. We get it back to 3 3. They miss a penalty. Andy Gray, that played for England, not the Scottish Andy Gray. Andy Gray missed a penalty, then Mark Steen scored a penalty, and we went 4-3. Marvellous. There you are. Yeah, well, that's a comeback one. Well, yeah, very good. Well, you seem very disinterested. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you, like, you, you, you prompt these stories, and then you sit there and go, oh, I can just go back and watch Home Alone again. Hey, Home Alone 2. Home Alone 2. Come on, get Home it right. Home Alone 2. Uh, Shaka? Uh, St James's Park, Leicester City, Emil Heisky scores a couple with three down at halftime. Shira scores a hat-trick, we win 4-3. Oh, no, that's a good story. Yeah. Yeah. Just, good thing I remembered it. Yeah, yeah. very good. I'm going to get this name. Very good. Uh, Jules, the last thing I like, come back, probably Barcelona is one of the, the most memorable ones of recent uh-huh. years, isn't it? Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, remember the Arsenal no, Bournemouth of last season? The Arsenal Bournemouth of last season when Arsenal were two yeah, one down at the Emirates and then Reese Nelson scored oh, to win yeah, three Nelson two. Scored, yeah. He scored twice yeah. in added time. That was pretty cool. 
I got it. Uh, right, come on, get on with it. I'm telling Shaka. Oh no, we've got a show going on. You two wittering all in the corner about Jason. It's not a show, it's extra time. We could walk. Right, You can just leave me here, right? Jason, you won't even know this player. That's how ignorant you are. Jason Dozell. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, why didn't you say that? I was getting it. Right. Jason Lee. I was going backwards. Jules, is Zaya Emery better than Jude Bellingham was at 17? Oh, that's a really good one. Um, I mean, no offense to Jude, but he was obviously between the championship and his way to Dortmund at the edge, where Zaire Emery has been one of the best players in the Champions League group stage this season. So it's not the same. And also Jude is not from Paris. Again, that's uh, that's the point for Zaire Emery. More seriously, I think, however, purely because of the way English football is and what Bellingham had to do in the championship and then obviously when he went to Germany even for example driving the ball more than, than Zaire Emery who still I think at times and I'm sure Frank would agree with me he's still a little bit too cautious from Zaire Emery I think he's got the potential of the talent technically to go more forward more proactive and at times you just play a little bit safe I think with Jude Jude has that talent and we see now with Real Madrid where he's probably a bit more complete and he was already at 17 than what Warren is right now at 17. That's why that, I would say the difference is. That's a great Twitter handle, isn't it? Yeah, does Gab have a smelly sweatshirt, Jules? You work in close proximity oh. with him. <laughs> you say close. When you see the show, I'm, I'm quite, quite far. Uh, right, then is the that because Eagles of the smelly sweatshirt? Then the, uh, yeah. Then Somebody no, must sure have mentioned it though. <laughs> somebody must have mentioned it, or somebody too. Maybe. Uh, for Craig, does this comeback make United the favourites to land the Europa Conference League spot? <laughs> oh. Uh. Well. Oh. It's one result. Europa League. Nothing too long, you know, it's late. Yeah. <laughs> One result. Yeah. <laughs> let's, en let's enjoy that. Yeah. One result. Let's enjoy that. Figure the rest out later. Okay. What's happened to him? Is he broke? He froze. <laughs> Just hits. He froze. Oh, Charles, a super league. That was good, Jules. Oh, uh, yeah. That's good acting. They really. Uh, you really wanted me to talk about that today? <laughs> yes, yeah. I, I think Jews, I think Jews. Is it fair to say now, Shaka, that Howe and Newcastle are in decline? Where is Stevie? Well, that, Why, what's this Stevie story? Uh, we, so we had a big argument with it. I've said that Newcastle regressed and he said they hadn't. He said no. Uh, and I well, was... what, so what, what had they done? Sorry? They just lost against someone quite recently. A couple of weeks, yeah. yeah. Weeks and I said they regressed, Steve said they haven't, yeah, I, and then they just... Yeah, and, and he was just like, no, they haven't regressed. And we're just talking about the injuries, but saying they haven't regressed. I'm like, that doesn't make, that make any sense. Uh, if your team just blew a game like Villa did today, what would the post-game talk be like from the coach, Frank? Whoa, it's going to be bad. It's going to be very, yeah. very bad. Because if you're capable of doing something good first half, and you did, you do that, horrendous second half I think it's quite it's almost unprofessional I think the coach will hammer everybody and uh, will almost yeah I would say I would say that the, the coach will be able to uh, not insult you but be very very hard on you because you you give such a bad image of the club of the the color you are you are you are uh, uh, fighting for that it's a, it's a real shame. It's a shame for the coach because 
uh, is the head of uh, the head coach, but he cannot do anything. And, and we, we saw that so many times where the team is not capable of reacting, even if the coach goes on the uh, sideline and, and screams and everything, you are drowning. You are drowning into the, 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 a nightmare and you cannot react. And uh, uh, it's, a, it's a bad time for everyone. And I think the coach can be very, very hard on every player after the game. I think what I'm just looking at scary the good thing is that Villa are playing in four days' time. Is it Burnley they got next? Burnley they got next. That that is had you had that result on a Saturday with no game until the following Saturday, that week would have been murder. But it right? depends on the personality of the coach, doesn't it? Right. Really. It's like everything else, isn't it? I mean some might come in and be a little bit colder about it and, and analyse it and, and have the 24 hours later have the discussion and there's others who would come in yeah. and their personality might be just to absolutely rip whoever he felt at the time was closest or needed it to shreds and you have to accept that as a player particularly if you've capitulated in that manner I, 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 I'd imagine there have been some harsh words but I don't I sense Unai Emery's not really one of those Coaches, but I might be wrong. I'd prefer he's to get more it right after the game. He's more analytical, I think. You want to get done? Yeah. I'd prefer the manager just come in and start yeah. throwing teapots you right after you the game. You don't want the silent treatment, no, no. like at home. Well, yeah. he's been well renowned for having these very, very long video analysis sessions. So right. I could imagine that, 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 you know, there could be a particularly long one here and where they went wrong in the second half. Um, I believe that's it. Thank you very much, everyone. Thank you to Jules, to Frank, to Craig, and to Shaka. Oh no, there is one more, sorry. Yeah. No, no, For you Craig. Said, you said it was it. No, no, I got, it, it got it. excited. Craig, were Villa naive to play such a high line and effectively play to United's strength? Well, this, this, is a, this is the argument that keeps doing the rounds. And it, it's doing the rounds with Tottenham and with Aston Villa in particular. And there is no doubt Villa play this better than any other team in the league, right? And it has, and my argument would be, if you start dropping off, you're going against the grain of what's made you have the success that you've had to this point. And that's the way they play. Now, the counter argument is, and you could, you know, I don't have an issue with it when there's five minutes to go and you're trying to see the game out. Mm. But they're not going to come out in the second half at 2 0 up and all of a sudden drop to the edge of the box and give the initiative to Man United. They continue to try and play in the manner in which has got them up to what you said in the first half they went top of the league. Mm -hmm. So that's that, that's come about through him on the training field continuing to work on this back four. High line, offside, squeezing the game, getting himself further up the field. I think it's a little bit hypocritical to, to say when it doesn't work, oh, I should just do something completely different. I think what, what has to change is you're two up. There's no need to take risks passing the ball out to the back. While that gets you two up, now you know you've got the lead. You don't you don't need to encourage the opposition in the way two of United's three goals came from, from Villa giving the ball away cheaply. Uh, that is it properly now. I promise. Thank you very much to Jules and to Frank and to Craig and to Shaka and yes. Pete. Pete, have a lovely time in tennis camp. Uh, we will uh, be back. Tennis camp! <laughs> what a holiday. We will be back uh, tomorrow uh, for more to reflect on Chelsea against Palace and Everton who are in action against Manchester City.